and welcome to Beyond Bold by The Bold Age. Our aim is to encourage and support people approaching retirement and in later years to live a longer, healthier, more active and bolder life. We also want to create a dynamic voice for social change, recognising that boldies can and want to add value to society. In our Bold Interviews podcast, we'll be reflecting on a host of topical stories with people who are at the centre of making a difference. What they have seen and experienced, what their reflections are, and what are some of the lessons they've learned along the way. Well, welcome everyone to Beyond Bold, the official podcast of theboldage.com. My name is Nigel Pritchard, and I'm here with my fellow host, Steve Foreman. Hi, good afternoon. I'm really looking forward to this Beyond Bold podcast. And you know, it's the first podcast that I've ever done. We also have two great guests. A virgin podcaster. Yes, indeed, a virgin podcaster. This is the second in our Beyond Bold podcast series, and I'm really pleased to welcome Margaret and Sean, who are joining us today. Margaret, at 77, is a widower, a mother, and worked for many years as a nurse in the NHS. And I hope she doesn't mind me saying she's not short of an opinion or two. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you. Sean also joins us and has until quite recently been a head teacher of a primary school before taking a well-earned break from teaching. Welcome, Sean. Hi there, and thanks for inviting me. I'd really like to get a sense of what it was like from you all as we went through the first lockdown. It was awful at first because I was anxious and fearful because it was the great unknown in my lifetime. I've never known anything like it. And I was told, um, because I have only two health problems, that I couldn't even come round to the shop. I had to stay within my house and grounds, which aren't very extensive. And that was, that was daunting for the first week or so until I settled down with it. It was actually, um, my birthday was the 21st of March, which actually, as far as my family were concerned, was my first day of lockdown. So I felt really miffed that day because I missed having people around for tea. I guess it was tough for everyone, all told, and doubly worrying for small business owners like you, Steve, with your community gin. The beginning of lockdown was exceedingly difficult. Looking online that first day, it was obvious we had to close the gym doors immediately. And that obviously meant our income plummeted overnight. If that wasn't enough, we were also in the process of selling our house and the whole world stopped. And for three months, that sale couldn't go through. It was bizarre. From one day to the next, the world just seemed to stop overnight. Nobody really knew what to do. Absolutely. I was a head teacher at the time and we were having to make some tough decisions about which children could come to school and which couldn't, as well as making sure we were COVID ready and we really didn't know what that looked like. Or for how long. That was the one thing. Nobody really knew. They said it could be for three months, but it wasn't set in stone. And that was, I think, the scary bit. I think it was the fear of the unknown. Obviously, today we are all far better informed and briefed and we know what precautions to take. But that first week, if you spoke to people, especially the older people amongst us, and I obviously have older parents, it was just that sense of fear and wondering what it all meant. Absolutely, Steve. I think the uncertainty was the most difficult for people because you couldn't plan anything. Not even in two weeks we can do this or that. And it was the uncertainty that caused more anxiety. Well, if you've got holidays, you just didn't know what to do, whether you were going or not. Going into the unknown as we were was 
pretty scary. And Sean, you, you have elderly parents in their late 80s with health complications that were shielding. Yes. My mum had just been diagnosed with blood cancer about two days before lockdown. And she had the uncertainty of knowing whether her treatment was going to start and what it all meant. Fortunately for them, my dad is pretty savvy on the computer, but even trying to get registered online for shopping was awful. It took weeks. So for people that had had no one to rely on to do their shopping, it must have been absolutely frightening. I, my daughter lives in the village with me. My son's up in Cheshire. They got together. I felt a bit like um, an inanimate object because they said, you are not going shopping. My daughter said, you know, we will do it for you. So I had a weekly shop, my son-in-law, because I wanted the, I like the paper every day. No, it's not necessary. I said, yes, it is for mental health. I, I like the puzzles. I like reading the newspaper and physically holding them. So um, my son-in-law got it on, before he went to work every morning. I missed because some days, if I didn't go to the shop, or come to the gym, I wouldn't have seen anyone or spoken to anyone except the cat, and that's not much consolation. Did you feel that you wanted to rebel against those guidelines, not just the government, but your family telling you what to do, not set foot outside the door? Yes, I did, but I was frightened that if I did and anything went wrong, they would never forgive me, and they wouldn't make life worth living. So if you're not having the physical contact, how did you keep in contact with people, especially with your, your family up north and your close friends? Well, we did Skype. And then as soon as lockdown was eased in July for single, my daughter-in-law phoned me and she said, we're coming to collect you um, and we'll bring you home. And we, because my da- granddaughter, age five, was desperate to see grandma. And she said, we want you to stay for up to two weeks. And I bought an iPad. My son, I knew my son and daughter could show me properly how to use it, uh, and that saved my sanity. I was up there for 12 days, and that in the middle because after I suppose about six weeks of lockdown, I got to the stage thinking I'm bored with this, I'm fed up with turning things out. The weather was reasonably good, but I didn't want to do the garden, I didn't want to read, I didn't want to watch television, I just wanted to go back to being normal. Um, if I felt like it, go shopping, take a trip into Cambridge, which I knew I couldn't do. And that, and then after a week of feeling sorry for myself, I got over that. How did you get over that, especially when you were at your lowest? When I, when I was gardening, if I was in the front, people would go past that I knew from the village and they would stop. We'd be sort of 10 feet apart. They would stop and chat. And several people that I didn't know would make a comment about the garden. And I think they were starved of human contact as well. But I did decide I was going to speak to friends instead of emailing. I would actually physically phone friends. And that did help. But on the other hand, you know, I just thought, it, I have to do this. Because if I don't, what's the alternative? I won't see my grandchildren. We used to go for daily walks. And the thing that struck me was just how much more friendly people were being with each other. But it's interesting to see whole families walking the dog or going for a walk, which they hadn't before. But I was told specifically I could not go for a walk. They said, no, you are not to you know, leave your property because I, was, I take drugs for arthritis, which cause a lowered immune system. There were lots of families out cycling. It was a bit like the sound of music. 
But it was lovely to see. I think, though, for many people, it must have been very frightening and not comfortable at all from a mental well-being point of view. My mum suffers with dementia, and she would remember that she couldn't do things on the one hand, but on the other, she'd be constantly asking us what exciting things we were up to or why she couldn't go out. You said, Margaret, that you got to the point where you didn't like to watch the television. I stopped watching the news because I thought, I can't do anything about any of this, so I'm not even going to watch it. And Nigel and I found ourselves constantly watching the news. I'm not sure what we thought was going to change, because nothing really did. I have a neighbour who goes on the, the app for the COVID rates every day, at least twice, and I thought, what's the point? I think with the news in general, especially through the, the early periods of lockdown, there seemed to be a distinct lack of anything positive, except for a couple of things like that stalwart of a boldy, Captain Tom. Yes, and as we progressed through lockdown, it must have been getting tougher for you as a small business owner, Steve. It was really tough, and whilst there were numerous bits of assistance from the government, it wasn't always well publicised and communicated. So I relied quite a bit on my colleagues at work to let me know what they had found out not just what was available at a national level, but also available locally. So that was really difficult, as it was for so many self-employed and small businesses. Did you find that as well, Margaret? I didn't find it too bad um, because, I mean, I was really disappointed that I couldn't come to the gym and I did fine and not going out for a walk. I was losing muscle tone in my legs because I I never really realised just how much the gym has helped me. Um, so I bought an exercise bike. I went on that every day. I built up to half an hour and uh, that did help. I'm interested, Margaret, in what you said earlier about picking up an iPad for the first time. Do you feel that the technology helped you? Well, yes, and especially now because I can FaceTime with the um, grandchildren. And I mean, I got Skype on the television and then my daughter-in-law's family in Wales decided they were going to start a Zoom quiz every Sunday. And they said, we want you to take part. Um, and so once I got the iPad, I didn't have to sit at my computer, which made a huge difference. But, um, that has been a saviour, even though I'm not completely happy with the way I use it. But I have found the iPad has its uses. We did a Zoom quiz every Sunday, including my mum and dad, brother and his partner, and his father. And that was a real highlight for us all. Not just for the quiz, but also getting the chance to meet up, albeit virtually. I also found that the pace of life slowing down was pretty nice, or for a period anyway. I think for me it was a difficult time, because before lockdown I had planned to retire from headship at Easter. So lockdown came just before my leaving date, so I didn't get a chance to say my farewells in the same way as normal. And that was quite sad. However, because of this, I was already anticipating a time when I wasn't going to be busy. And I actually really enjoyed the peace and the slower pace of life. That said, I did miss the human contact, particularly with our children, my parents and our friends. I think a lot of people had to find new hobbies or hobbies they hadn't done for many years. Let's put it that way. Lego, Steve? Lego. Adult Lego was my new favourite thing through lockdown. But I must admit, even though I find turning out cupboards and drawers boring, I was amazed sometimes at what I found. Sometimes in the evening, apart from wanting a hug, I just kept thinking, when my husband was alive, if we got bored, we'd play a game of Scrabble and we were quite competitive. Uh, and then he'd often, he'd complain bitterly about because I was a nurse, some of the medical 
words I knew, which I knew and he didn't. Well, we played Scrabble quite a bit and we have gardened more than we have ever done before. And surprisingly, we really enjoyed that. Having time to sort out old photographs and put them in albums was really great and really nostalgic. But that takes you a long time because you look at them and then you go into a reverie about when they were taken, where you were, who was with you and things like that. I found that can take twice as long as you expect, but very enjoyable. For me, the bold age took a lot of my time, as well as uh, bread making, which was really therapeutic. In fact, bread's become something of a feature of the bold age. And uh, there's a big thanks out to the Real Bread campaign. My son-in-law was furloughed, so he took down an old greenhouse, put up a new one, put, when I had a new shed, both of the greenhouse and shed were casualties of Storm, Kiara and Dennis. He put up shells and things and hooks and things for me. So that was useful because that meant I had to tidy things. And he was ruthless when I was getting stuff going to the tip. Didn't you find things like that just became the main focal point of the day? Going to the tip was suddenly really big deal and almost something to look forward to because we weren't doing much at all for the rest of the day. Yes, yes, that was right. And I'm not a huge fan of online shopping because I do like to go to the shops and look, but I did become quite proficient at ordering things online. The highlight was going to the supermarket on a Thursday to do the shopping because it was something to go out for. Margaret, given that you have been a nurse, what are your thoughts on what you've seen lately? I was horrified, as I still am, with people who don't obey the rules and put other people in danger. But when we clapped for the NHS, I was also clapping for the postmen, the bin men, and people like that, and the delivery drivers, the supermarket workers, because they had as much impact on everything as covid I did, in fact, a couple of times, I put a note on my recycling bins and things to say thank you for still collecting. I am lucky. I have a garden. But I kept thinking of these poor people in high-rise flats with no balcony and children because I know how I felt, just me, and I could go out. I did feel very, very sorry, too, for the people who are seriously ill in hospital and nobody could visit. That had a huge impact because I thought, I know how I feel at home reasonably well without visitors. If you're feeling under the weather, sometimes a visit from a friend or a loved one will boost you no end. And for people who had to die alone, even though the staff said, oh, they held people's hands, it's not the same. Or funerals, when people couldn't attend a loved one's funeral. That, was, that is just awful. That must have been so difficult for people. It really does feel like people weren't really getting the messages or that whatever was said mattered. My hands have never been so clean or so sanitary. I think there is a lot of uh, people not fully understanding the benefits of gyms, be that physical, mental, or just to provide a sense of community, albeit socially distanced. But even at a simple level, I've had plenty of discussions with people about the benefits or not of wearing a mask. And whilst people are doing it, they are doing it rather reluctantly, rather than fully comprehending the good that it does. Because people's reluctance stems from them not understanding the science behind it. And the communication hasn't been as good as it should be. So, yes, simple explanations of the values and the consequences of not doing it, that would help a lot. But the scientists disagree half the time. You get conflicting. As with any surveys and things, studies, you get those pro and those against, the antis. And 
So people, especially people if they've got some early dementia or other dementia, they haven't got a clue what they're supposed to do. Yeah, but also the government initially uh, were saying things like masks were not going to make a difference. So once people hear that's what they believe, and so despite evidence supporting the wearing of them, some people use that original information when they're being asked to wear them now and say, I'm just going to go with what I heard first. And it really is confusing. I think Steve said it. The messaging needs to be simple and distilled down to two or three clear things. They're explained in plain English. People don't need to read the whole scientific paper. They just need to understand. You should be wearing a mask because... You have to treat everyone as though they're idiots in a lot of cases, unfortunately. Lowest common denomination. That's right, yes, that's a better way of putting it. I know we discussed it plenty of times and the whole thing just didn't seem real. Or that whatever was said mattered. No, it doesn't It doesn't matter. Not helped by people thinking it's not going to happen to them. I have teenage children and it's really difficult to get them to understand the risk because they're young, healthy, active, and they almost think that they're immune to it. But also you have celebrities and people who they look up to who weren't following the rules. And young people are often swayed by those role models. And I still think there's a general reluctance to follow the guidelines. You only have to look at the news to see how people react throughout the country. People have almost got COVID fatigue. It appears to me that some people and a growing number are fed up with it, that there's been a constant stream of this for over six months and people want to get on with their lives, live their lives and not be told what to do. It does bring it home to you, though, because I... Was used to be on a quiz team um, once a fortnight to pub one of the next villages. And the grandson of one of the other team members, his grandson of 18, fit, healthy, went down with it, was on a ventilator in intensive care. This was sort of the end of March, and he wasn't signed off until the end of September. And I think that really brought it home to us, that if it can hit someone like that, it can hit anyone. For you, Steve, I know the government advisors talk the need for people to stay fit and healthy. So to me, a shutdown of gyms just seems counterintuitive given the research. The research is really clear that people attending gyms and then contracting COVID are very, very low. As you can see here, we all socially distance. Everyone's really careful to disinfect the equipment after they've used it and to also use the hand sanitizer. Whilst there is a risk of everything, going to the gym and catching COVID is low. So it's really difficult to take that we're yet again in another lockdown situation in November. I personally feel the benefits of going to the gym, as we said before, be that physical or mental or just generally helping with loneliness, have really been ignored. Meaning that the consequences of not allowing gyms to continue on these things haven't been considered in a balanced enough way. It's well known that if you're obese, you're going to react to COVID in a more negative way than if you're not. Notwithstanding, being obese has other health complications. So the messaging of getting the general population fitter, healthier, more active to tackle the myriad of health ills we see around us it just seems to be ignored or not being explained well enough to me for instance how is it right that you can fish with a friend but not play golf and it's this total lack of logic that that loses people and what's even worse in my opinion is that the tears were supposed to make it clearer what everything meant but there are still things that change according to where you live i think a full lockdown in lots of ways is easier to understand I think this is where the real issue is. There appears to be no simplicity, consistency and clarity of the messaging. 
We've talked about the importance of keeping fit on the bold age quite a bit, but it's also about the mental well-being and that gyms like yours, Steve, provide a sense of community. What are all your thoughts on the mental well-being challenges? Well, one of the first things I did was to make a hair appointment. And then I thought, right, um, if I can make a hair appointment, and the hairdresser is just outside the gym, I can um, go back to the gym. As soon as I came back to the gym, I immediately stood up straighter and I felt better because it didn't matter I didn't do anything else for the rest of the day. I'd had a little outing and I'd done something interesting that was different from my day-to-day routine. I think what you said about getting out of the house and interacting with people is key. Whether it's going to the gym or visiting a shop for essentials, that becomes the highlight of people's day, especially if they're living by themselves and don't have that human interaction at home. Speaking as a gym owner, I see plenty of people who use the gym as a place where they can have a chat. The exercise could almost be a secondary thing to some of them. Are you including me in that? You're far too near, <laughs> sitting far too close. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's part of it as well. Isn't it? Mm. Mental health, even in the past few months, I think, has really taken a dive. And this new lockdown will only exacerbate the situation. Human interaction, albeit socially distanced, wherever you get it to be at the gym or elsewhere, that's really important. But you see also um, so many people don't understand that living on your own is not is good up to a point. But sometimes just even sitting in silence with another person in the house, you know, if you're reading or watching television and being able to comment on what you're seeing or laugh together makes a huge difference. And I have sometimes put the television off about half past eight and thought, well, it's too early to go to bed, but I'd like to go to bed and sort of forget everything till tomorrow. Start again tomorrow. But, you know, that, that was because it wasn't enforced. Now that it, you know, it was sort of government dictate, yes, you are going to be locked down. We're not going to do this. I think, there, as Steve said before, there, there is a bit of rebelliousness there. You think, well, why can't I take a chance and do it? And then you think, well, for the sake of family I have got, I have got to obey the rules. And that has been quite challenging at times. So as a more mature person, do you feel more discriminated against? No, no, because actually people of my generation are more likely to obey the rules than the younger people. Because one of my friends who is older than I am, her comment was, I am a war babe, therefore, you know, I've lived through privation then. I remember rationing. I was only a small child, but I can remember rationing and my mother's struggles a bit. So we have learned to sort of make do and mend a bit. But we have tasted freedom, and it's the fact that you you are restricted that is, you know, you sort of rebel against that slightly. Think, well, I'm reasonably fit. Why can't I go out and do things? You really don't want to plan anything, do you? I mean, I used to like going Christmas shopping, going into seeing all the decorations and hearing carols, not in October, but <laughs> which some shops start. But you could go in sort of, perhaps beginning of November, and you'd see things, you think, oh, that's nice, that will do for so-and-so. But if you've got to stay at home and think, well, I've got to send for that, it's not the same. Receiving a parcel on the front doorstep is not the same as physically going and choosing it in a shop. You know, we're going to have to get used to a completely new way of life. We're nearing the end of the podcast now, but... Reflecting on what has gone before, what do you think are the learning lessons that will help us get through the next few months? 
I think making sure you keep in touch with people, friends, family, but not just through text. Call people. It's really important to have a real conversation, whether it be by phone or through things like Zoom. I also hope that people have learned some lessons from the first lockdown and what's happened recently and follow the rules. If we don't, then things are going to get not going to get better. But I have my doubts that they will. I don't think people are living in their silos as much as they used to pre all of this COVID lockdown situation. You know, when you're out and about, people will interact with you more. I think there's more support. People will look out for each other more. And I think it's the slowing down in the pace of life and people are having time and getting a sense of proportion about what is important. And I think that this is key. During the last lockdown, it was really easy to stay at home, go to bed late, therefore get up late. But it's really important to get out, despite the weather, whether that's for a walk, going for a run or other forms of exercises. For me, this was the biggest lesson learned. If you are allowed out even for just an hour, then it was really important to take that opportunity. Just changing the environment and getting some fresh air really makes you feel better. And ultimately, that puts you in the best possible position if you're, if you're unfortunate to catch COVID. However you dress it up, the fitter and healthier you are, then the better you are for lessening the symptoms. What's important and what isn't to value life more, value friends more, and not to get into a, a state about things that really don't matter in your, in your life that I found. You know, you, you, as Steve said, you do think. I've had lots of time to sit and think. Gardening is a great place for solving problems because you concentrate on the gardening and then you suddenly think oh that will be you know that is the answer to this problem but not to worry over little things that you know, my son or daughter-in-law would if we did facetime in the morning come on mum let let harriet show you her reading let her test you on words and then the joy on my granddaughter's face when i failed with one or two words because she thought i really didn't know them and that was just a joy and it helped me because it kept me in the loop with them and i i just felt a glow when we stopped facetiming and i thought well at least i've been able to now physically talk to them. um i could watch them because sometimes I just FaceTime and watch them play. And that just was, it lifted me for the whole day. I really hope that people take care of themselves and each other. Well, we're drawing to a close. I'd just like to say a big thank you to our two guests, Sean and Margaret. Steve, as this was your first podcast, how did you find it? It was very straightforward, I'll be honest. All the technology worked. We hope. We hope. <laughs> Beyond Bold is a boldage.com podcast where we cover current events with an over 50s perspective.